0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week and your year with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orrico. You can find me over on Twitter at Joe 99 and also at Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where we post all of our new podcasts, articles, news, and notes, every bit of baseball content that we do have at Sports Ethos. You can find at Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. If you're not somebody who uses social media, please do go to sportsethos.com, and you can find all that same great work there right from the source. Now, I do want to wish everybody a happy new year. It is the first day of 2024. It is a Monday, so we are behind the mic here recording. It doesn't matter what's going on. If it's a weekday, we record. You guys know this, so even though it's not going to be the longest show, some family plans that I have today and you guys probably have, still wanted to put out uh, some content for you guys today. So we are going to be talking about some of the moves that have happened over the last week or so. We didn't really get a chance to talk about them last week. We were caught up with some different things that we were talking about. We were finishing up our pitching reviews. I talked about my ideal start to a draft and my ideal, really, whole draft from the nine pick. Uh, We did that on Thursday. On Friday, to wrap up the year, I talked about my process for analyzing players, what goes into my analysis, how I come about my rankings, what I will look at in a player when I'm evaluating them in season, during the year, after the season. Uh, We talked about all that on Friday. So make sure you guys are checking out some of those old shows. And again, if you are just somebody who is coming back to the podcast, welcome back. If you're somebody who is new in general, then welcome. Go and check out the shows that we've done over the last three months. I understand that it's not exactly high tide for baseball content, but we've been here. We've been doing shows talking about positional reviews. We've been doing a little bit of preview stuff as well when we talk about these positions But we did at least three shows on every single position. We talked about all the major signings of the offseason, the major trades. We've been here every single weekday since the season ended. So make sure you guys, if you have missed out on any of the content, go back and check out some of that stuff. But today, we're going to talk about some of the things that have happened over the last several days that we have not yet gone over. And we're going to start off with the massive, hugely surprising trade that took place. I think this was on Friday, Saturday. I think it was Saturday. And this was Chris Sale being traded to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for Vaughn Grissom. Very surprising trade. I think there was some money that went back to Atlanta as well, if I'm not mistaken. But this is a very, very, very interesting trade. Not something that I was expecting whatsoever. I don't think anybody was really expecting this to happen. But here we are. Chris Sale has been traded to the Atlanta Braves. And Chris Sale, we'll start with him because he's the big name here, obviously. (laughs) I don't really know what to think about him at this point in his career. When he's out there, he's still very, very, very good. He had a 4.3 ERA this year, but he was unlucky if you look at the supporting metrics. Didn't strand a lot of base runners, only 69%. Uh, His advanced metrics in terms of his pitching indicators, they were all lower than his 4.30 ERA. So that is obviously a great sign. 3.5 on the Sierra is an excellent number. 3.72 XFIP is also an excellent number. And he was striking out 29.4% of batters in a 22.6% strikeout minus walk rate when he was pitching. So healthy Chris Sale is still a very good pitcher. I've heard some talk on the timeline since this trade went down that Chris Sale's washed. He's not a good pitcher anymore. It's not the case. He's still a good pitcher. It's just a matter of how much he's actually going to be able to pitch for you. And that is a huge question. He threw. You know, this year was not a full season for him, but it was damn close compared to what we've had the last few years. It was 20 starts, 102 innings. In 2022, we had a grand total of two starts from Chris Sale. In 2021, it was nine, and he didn't pitch at all in 2020. So getting 20 starts and 100 innings, it could be seen as a step in the right direction for sure. Now, I honestly, at this point of his career, don't know what to expect because Chris Sale is going to be 35 years old and it really just strictly comes down at this point to how healthy he's going to be, right? He's almost like another version of Clayton Kershaw. I don't think it's the talent to the same extent. He's never been as good as Kershaw, but those, you know, per inning, you're going to get good production out of him. When he's out there, all odds are that he's going to be a good pitcher for your team, for your fantasy team, real life, whatever. It's just a matter of how much he's going to actually be able to pitch. Now, Steamer projections, we've talked about these quite a bit over the course of the offseason since they came out. I think it was the first couple of days of November. We've talked about them quite a bit. Um, their rate stats are very good in terms of how they project strikeout rate, walk rate, batting average, on base, you know, things like that. In terms of how they project playing time and actual time on the field, I think they leave something to be desired. you got Tyler Glass now projected for like 170 innings, I don't really see much reason for that. They have Chris Sale projected for 141 innings. Now, if Chris Sale pitches 141 innings, odds are it's going to look very good for your fantasy team. Right now, he is being drafted on average at pick 181. Now, that's for all drafts throughout the entirety of draft season. If I filter this down to just December, Chris Sale is going in the exact same place? Is it, is it really that exact same place? 182. It's pretty much the exact same. There's no real difference. Um, now, with this trade, I could see some people will push him up a little bit, right? He's going to a better organization. He's got a better home ballpark. Obviously, it's a better team, so there's going to be more win context. I don't know that I'd want to push him up drastically. I mean, 182 is probably a very fair price to be paying for Chris Sale, considering everything we know, right? Like, when he's out there, sure, he's going to be great, but it could very realistically be four starts for you. It could be seven starts. Now, it might be 25, but... I don't know that we have much reason to expect that or to think, well, this is a very likely outcome that Chris Sale is going to be able to give me a whole season worth of innings and he's going to justify pushing up that pick because while well, he's Chris Sale, he's a better team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't know that I'm quite there. I think that Chris Sale probably, at, as of right now, pick 180 is a fair investment. But that's not going to stay, right? We don't have data from the last couple of days yet because most of these drafts are just slow drafts. I could I could double-check and see if there has been anything... Since uh, this trade has gone down, let's see, there haven't been any drafts uh, in the last couple of days completed st- to the point where we could see a Chris Sale draft pick, right? So I-, I do assume that it will go up a little bit, but I can't get behind it going up so, so much to the point where like, oh, it's a top 150 pick for Chris Sale now, but it's worth it. It will get there probably, but I don't see myself personally paying that price for somebody where the talent is still immense, But the actual output is such a wild card that I don't even know that we can even begin to take him over guys who are going a couple rounds later, such as a Braxton Garrett. Hunter Brown has huge potential. Um, Aaron Savali, I I don't love Aaron Savali, but there is talk that maybe the Braves could kind of do what they did with Zach Eflin having him for a whole season. So there's that kind of potential there with Savali. Again, I'm not fully there yet, but there are reasons to avoid... Chris Sale, just looking at some of the names that go farther down, Nathan Eovaldi, also injury risky, sure, um, but another option there, a couple rounds later, you got Brandon Fott, you got Hugh Darvish, you got another guy we're going to talk about later today, uh, Lucas Giolito, there are so many pitchers going between pick two and 250, that I think are you know, not going to be giving you the same level of production on a per inning basis as Chris Sale, but... In terms of the stability and the floor that I'm getting from these guys, most of them, you know, there are still some risks in the names that I mentioned, but for the, for the majority of the names, you're not worried about these guys having five or seven starts in the season. For the most part, and again, we don't really know anything before the season. All the names I just listed could eventually have Tommy John this year. We really just don't know anything. But as of right now, I feel a lot safer projecting those guys than I would in Chris Sale. I think that Steamer, you know, in terms of what they're projecting for strikeout and walk rate... You know, 20.7 on the K-minus walk, 374 ERA, 1.17 whip. Those are all reasonable numbers to expect. But I don't think you can expect it over 140 innings. And that's why I think with the price, will it will increase, right? Just everything that we've mentioned with team context, with the fact of anybody's name in the news generally means that they're going to be going up anyway. People see a guy's name, whether he gets traded, he gets as long as you don't get DFA'd or something. If you get signed, you get traded, or there's your name's in the news for any kind of, quasi-positive reason, you're going to be shooting up draft boards. And that's my worry with Chris Sale, is that we'll get to the point where right now, I think at 180, he's very reasonably priced. We get to 140, Chris Sale, which is probably where we're heading, 140, 150, and I just can't see myself really getting behind him at that point. So I'm going to be out. I'm going to be out as of right now, but I'll reserve judgment fully until we know uh, where the price is going to settle on Chris Sale. Now, the other side of that trade is Vaughn Grissom. Vaughn Grissom is somebody that I took a monstrous L on in 2023. I had him initially ranked as a top 10 second baseman. I thought, well, we, what we saw in 2022 was ridiculous. 41 games. He batted 291. He had five homers. He had five stolen bases. Good counting stats because he's in the Atlanta lineup. I was thinking that he is going to absolutely smash this season. And then he didn't make the team at a camp, right? And he came, or Maybe he made the team, but he wasn't starting. Or no, I, I Actually, my brain is a little bit foggy right now. Uh, But I believe that he did not make the team and then was called up shortly thereafter. They went with Arcia to start the season. And in any event, Von Grissom ended up playing 23 games this past season. He did not hit a home run. He did not steal a base. He had a 2.5% walk rate. It was a dreadful, dreadful experience if you drafted Von Grissom. Now, if you're drafting earlier to the start of the – or, excuse me, closer to the start of the season – you probably didn't get burned so much because we kind of knew at that point that Grissom was not going to be somebody who was starting the season. So the price did go down uh, uh, you know, mid to late March, from, if memory serves me correctly. But, man, if you drafted early on, and I'm one of the people who did draft a couple teams early on last year. I'll draft a couple teams early every year. Vaughn Grissom was somebody that I got burned by you know, pretty substantially. Now, this year... I, I feel a lot better now that he is in Boston because the initial projection that we saw in Atlanta was that he was going to be kind of a platoon bat, not somebody that you were going to see playing every single day. He was going to be more of a weak side platoon player, maybe getting you know the odd random bit of play, and probably not at the DH spot, but you know he'll probably get some at-bats here and there, whatever it is. Now in Boston, I think that he is probably close to a full-time player. I don't know that he's going to be playing 162 games, but he should slot in as the everyday second baseman there. And that role was not something that was going to be available to him in Atlanta. It was at best going to be platooning. Maybe you could have seen him eventually win over a starting job there. But this is definitely an upgrade. In terms of the park, yes, he's getting a much better park to hit in. He is getting a much more regular role, or he should be getting a regular, much more regular role. Now, the only thing here is that it's a lineup downgrade, right? He's going to be not having the same level of talent around him that he would have in Atlanta. But if he wasn't going to play in Atlanta anyway, then I don't think we need to be too, too concerned there, right? Because it will offset. You'll get more volume, and even though it's not as great of a team around him, you're still going to see more runs in RBIs than you likely would have seen from him if he was still a Brave. Now, in terms of the actual skills... I think they're pretty damn good. They're not, like, super, superstar exceptional, but he's always been a guy who's hit for a high batting average in the minor leagues, if you look at every level, going back to rookie ball in 2019, 288, 311, 378, 312, 363, 291, 330, and 280. Those are every level, every stint that he's had going back to rookie ball in 2019. The lowest, worst batting average he ever had at any level was the major leagues this year over the 23 games where he batted 280. So I think we can be pretty pretty certain that Von Grissom is going to be a strong asset in terms of batting average. We know that there is not monstrous power speed there, but we saw it even at his stint in the majors. We saw it when he was in the minor leagues. You're going to be able to rely on some power speed combo there from Von Grissom. It's probably not going to be blowing you away. He's not going to go 30-30, but you're probably going to be able to get like 12-12 and 12 or something out of Von Grissom. I think in a regular role with good batting average, I think you can make that work. And especially considering the price that you're paying on him right now, I know that we don't like to use the term free. It doesn't always make a lot of sense, but he's going to pick 592 right now. He might not be free, but he's damn near close. That's pretty much just a draft champion type of format at this point. He's going in round 40 on average. You might as well take him. There is no reason not to take him at that point. And again, you know, we mentioned that guys' names in the news, they're going to shoot up draft rankings, they're going to shoot up boards, ADP will rise. Even if it does from 592, I mean, even if it goes up 50, 70, 100 spots, I don't see that being a big reason to not take a guy like Grissom who has massive upside in terms of everything, right? I mean, I don't think that he is going to be, like I said, a massive power or a massive speed guy. But you're probably looking at double digits pretty handily in both numbers. Even last year in AAA, 102 games, 8 homers, 13 stolen bases. You Projected right now from Steamer, 9 homers and 8 stolen bases. It feels a little bit light in both categories. Maybe he only ends up with you know low-end double-digit homers. But I think we could probably see 15 to 17 stolen bases if things go right. You know, 10 to 12 homers. It's not going to blow you away, but if you're getting a 285 batting average like he's projected for, you're probably going to get like 120 runs in RBIs. That, considering the price, is absolute gold. It's absolute gold. Now, I'm not pushing him up to 10 or 12-team range right now. He may get there, and we saw it in 2022. Like, he has the potential to be a 12-team, 10-team guy. I'm not putting him there yet. But considering the potential that there is with a guy like Von Grissom, I would be going after him at that price. You don't have to be spending a lot, and you might get a guy, and you are getting a guy as of right now, who's projected for an everyday role. And that's not something that you find a lot close to pick 600 or beyond. Not to mention everyday role, where you're getting some decent contributions from an actually, a a pretty decent lineup. I know it's a downgrade from what we had in Atlanta, because that's just kind of, going to be the case in any other team, but Jaron Duran, Raphael Devers, Tristan Cassis, Trevor Story, Masataka Yoshida, Tyler O'Neill. we're looking at a pretty decent lineup here in Boston, so I'm all in on Vaughn Grissom at this point. I think he got a massive upgrade park-wise and lineup-wise in terms of you know his actual playing time. I know that's going to sound weird, but it is an upgrade. It is an upgrade absolutely for Vaughn Grissom here, so if you want to take him and pick... You know, anywhere from pick 500 to 600, I don't see any reason not to. And that's the general going rate. The minimum pick is around 300. And I think that that's probably a massive outlier. I don't think you're going to see him go there very often. I think the wheels are up. I think the wheels are up, and we're taking off with Von Grissom at this point. You're not going to be paying a terribly high price. And maybe you're paying, you know, 400. Maybe it goes up into the late 300s at that point. Let's say ADP ends up at 350 even which I think is probably not going to happen. I think that's still probably thinking it's going to jump too much. But that's still round 24. Most of the guys in that range are dropping anyway, and I think the upside of Grissom is high enough where even if the price shoots up, honestly, 200 picks, you could still justify it. So right now, I think it's a great time to be getting a player with regular playing time in a D.C. at round 40 or beyond, maybe a little couple rounds before that, around 35 to 40 range. I don't think you can go very wrong there with Von- Let's talk a little bit now about Frankie Montes. Man, what an incredible trajectory this guy has been on for the last several years. I thought he was a really, really good pitcher. And I still don't necessarily think that he's like a bad pitcher. But it's been a tough couple of years for him for sure. Now, he only threw one, one, count him one inning in 2023. One and a third, I guess we could say. Uh, It was one game in relief where he pitched for the Yankees. That was it for his entire 2023. So there's not a lot to go on there. You go back to 2022, it was a 4.05 ERA with some pretty good supporting metrics. 2021 was very good as well, 3.37 ERA. And for the most part of his career, he's been a very good pitcher. Now, there have been times where it hasn't looked so great, but overall, it's a 3.90 ERA. For Frankie Montes, you're looking at, you know, about average strikeout and walk rates for his career, 24 and 7. He's a fine pitcher. Like, I don't think that there's... Like you, know, you don't need to use extremes when describing him one way or the other. I think he's just pretty fine. But he signed with Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, as we know, is one of those ballparks that does not like to keep the ball in the yard. And Frankie Montes, I just don't know that this is a place where you go to find yourself again in terms of your value. He took what he got, and, I mean, he's getting $16 million. It's a lot of money. So, I mean, sure, you, t- you take it. But this is kind of a bad place, I think, for a one-year deal for Montes. Real-life-wise, you're going to try and like, you know, rebuild that value that you used to have in a ballpark that is known for making pitchers look terrible. You know, you see it all the time. It doesn't matter if it's Hunter Green or Luis Castillo, uh, Lodolo, Ashcraft. There's so many pitchers that would be so much better outside of Cincinnati. We've seen it with Luis Castillo these last couple of years. Obviously, they're very different pitchers, but going to Cincinnati is a similar vein to siding with Colorado as a pitcher. Like, you're not going to be likely looking at very good results. Somebody who's already got a 1.1 homer per nine for his career, which is not bad, but it's not like you're, like, amazing at preventing home runs, right? Going to a place where your home run rate's going to go up, it's projected to be 1.42 homers per nine this season – I just think that you're playing with a little bit of fire there uh, as a free agent, trying to rebuild your value after missing a whole season. Montez is going to be 31 going into this year. If it doesn't go well, and it probably won't in Cincinnati, you're looking at a 32-year-old free agent on the market who's going to be coming off of a couple of bad seasons. So I think it's a bad move for him from a real-life point of view. And from a fantasy point of view, I just can't really get behind drafting him either. I mean, the price is not expensive. You're paying 572 ADP on Frankie Montez but you're not getting much results probably in return for it. You're paying, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're paying for a pitcher in Cincinnati. You could make the argument that, well, maybe I'm getting some volume out of it. Maybe he'll be able to give me like, you know, 170, 150 kind of range of innings. Maybe, maybe he is. But at the same time, I just, I just won't take that chance on him because I don't think you need to take that chance on any pitcher in Cincinnati. Like if you're drafting a pitcher in Cincinnati, They better be either, A, coming at an incredibly low price. like They better be coming at a price of like nothing, and this is kind of nothing, but there better be some massive upside if I am taking that chance on you. For a pitcher who didn't pitch at all last season, I'm not sure how worked up he is going to be able to be in terms of, like, will he give me a full season with volume? I don't know. He's not somebody whose rate stats will give you that per-inning beauty that you kind of need to get by in case things do go to shit. Because if he threw 100 innings, then odds are there's not going to be a lot of strikeouts. There's not going to be a hell of a lot of wins. And there's going to be some probably bad blow-up starts in there. So like, the price is cheap enough for if you do believe in Montes, if you are a believer, then you can take a chance. But for me, personally, I just think it's going to be too expensive. I And maybe it's just not even about the price. Because I think that wherever he was going, I'd probably find a way to not want to take him. The price is probably fine, in all honesty. I just don't think that there's any upside in taking Montes. Best case scenario, he's able to stay healthy and give you a four-something ERA, and I suppose you could argue that in deeper formats, that kind of production later on, especially a draft champion, you might need that later on in the season. But if it comes to like August and September and you're just wanting to start Frankie Montes. It's probably not been a great season for you, and it probably doesn't matter that much anyway. So I just don't really want to take a chance on a guy where I really don't know what we're getting. Strikeouts have never been a massive strong suit. The wins in Cincinnati might be all right, but they're probably not going to be amazing. There's just nothing there that really stands out for me to the point where I would want to take a chance on him. So I'm going to be out on Montas. I do understand if you want to take a chance on him, though, because the price is incredibly cheap. So it's not like, you know, I'm kind of being stupid with my argument. I just don't really like Montes and there's not really a price where I would want to be taking a Cincy pitcher, unless you're talking about a guy with massive upside. You know, if it's green or if it's Lodolo, then I can get behind it because I know that there's potential for 30% K rate. Those guys have massive upside. But with a guy like Montes, I just don't see it. I, I really don't. Again, if you want to take a chance, it's not a horrible decision, but I don't think it's going to pay off for you too much either way. Let's talk about one more piece of news today, and that is Lucas Giolito. We mentioned him earlier on. He signed with the Boston Red Sox, and he is going to be their ace, it looks like now with Chris Sale out of town. Probably would have been anyway, considering how much time Chris Sale generally misses, but it looks now as if Giolito is the solidified ace of that Boston staff. Now, this is probably a little bit concerning to some Red Sox fans who will be listening. I understand. Lucas Giolito has had not a great couple of years, I guess would be the nicest way to put it. He has been, I want to say he's been unlucky, but he's just really not been that good at the same time for the last couple of years. Like there has been a luck element to it, but like a four nine zero and a four eight eight ERA each of the past two seasons, it does come with a three, seven, nine and a four, two, one Sierra. But I think Giolito is probably not to the same level that we were maybe thinking he was going to reach once he kind of broke out there in 2019 2020 was great 2021 was really good i just think that we kind of have to take a step back in terms of our evaluation with him you know he had a couple of years there where he's striking out well over 30% of batters that is the true outlier in his career like the last 3 years have been 28 25 and 25 which are still really good but he's not going to be a guy who's going to get back up to 30 plus percent k rate he's a guy who has had walk problems throughout his career not massively but a 9% walk rate for your career is is large enough that it is a bit of a concern and a 125 whip for the career. So you're looking over the last three seasons at 131, 144. and 2021, the last good year that he had was 110, which is very good. But specifically these last two years are where we have seen the skills kind of erode a little bit. And we've seen that with the strikeouts. We've seen that with the walks to some extent going from 7.2 to 8.7 to 9.2. And we've seen it with the supporting metrics as well. Because in 2022, he had a 490 ERA. But again, a 366 XFIP. He had a 379 Sierra. Most people still bought back in. But this year, you get that same ERA at 488 with a 445 XFIP, a 527 FIP, 461 XERA, and the 421 Sierra. It just maybe will lead you to maybe regress what you were already probably regressing for Lucas Giolito in terms of expectations. I just, he has really, really fallen off over the last several years. Now, that being said, he is somebody who still does possess that strikeout upside. Even if he's just at 26%, that's still good. That's still above average, and that's kind of what he's been at, 25.7 this year. I think that he can generally kind of maintain that range, and if he is able to maintain that kind of strikeout rate, Boston, I don't know that they're going to be a great team, but we could see him potentially get back on track to some extent. I don't think it's going to be a Cy Young-caliber season, and we did see that from him in 2019. Like That was a Cy Young-caliber performance. I think that we're probably best-case scenario looking at like a low fours ERA with maybe those strikeouts getting back on form a little bit, and hopefully you can get double-digit wins out of him. Last year was a tough year. Three different teams. Uh, I think there was a divorce that happened in the middle of it as well, which you talked about a little bit, something that we don't tend to consider as much, the human element. So maybe there is something to be said that, you know, Giolito knew proper destination. A team gave him a good contract. They believe in him maybe he will come back and be the Lucas Giolito that we have, you know, grown some respect over the last several years before 2023 because he was always a really good pitcher. He was never a great pitcher, but he has some potential I think to get back to the point of being that really good pitcher again. I, like he's not going to be a Cy Young caliber pitcher, but he can be good enough where I think he would justify the price. And the price as of right now, you're looking at 223 uh in NFBC leagues. And I think that's fine. Like, I don't think that that's going to shoot up too much. Maybe he pushes up around pick 200 or so. I think all things considered, I would take that chance, though. I don't think it's an egregious price to the point where you'd be out on him, where you couldn't take a chance. I think it's fine. I think that at that point, if he does bounce back, then it looks great. And if he is still terrible, then you can probably still justify dropping him in that range. Like There are players you're going to drop in that range around 15 or so in your draft, and it's not the end of the world. You wouldn't want to be dropping him, obviously. Worst case scenario, it might come to that, but I don't even think it will. I think Giolito will be somebody who is probably able to maintain a, a pretty average enough season on your roster with the potential for good Ks, potential for decent enough wins. I, I think that he'll be a fine draft pick. He's not going to be somebody that's like a massive target of mine, but you know the writing is on the wall for a potential comeback here in a new location. Maybe get his head right now that he's in Boston and away from all the drama of the last couple of years. But that'll do it. That'll do it for us. Again, I hope you guys had a great New Year. I hope everybody is recovering from their hangovers today, drinking coffee, eating good food, seeing family, whatever it is you have on deck. Now, tomorrow, we have a bit of a fun show. We'll be joined by Dalton Feely from John Boy Media. He's the head researcher over there. You guys have probably seen Dalton uh, doing football and baseball content. He tweets a lot of stuff out on Twitter. But he's also in a lot of John Boy videos. If you guys watch any of their – the JM Baseball channel where they do different quizzes – They'll go through baseball reference. They will do immaculate grids and things like that. Dalton is uh, featured in a lot of the John Boy content. He's an Arizona Diamondbacks fan. He'll be here tomorrow. We'll be talking about that. We're going to probably do the show live, so you guys will likely be able to see it on YouTube and Twitter and all that. Even if we don't, though, of course, it will be here in the podcast feed for you tomorrow afternoon slash evening. Also, be recording on Bench with Bubba. Tomorrow I'll be back with my good friend Casey Bubba talking. Blue Jays. We'll be doing a Blue Jays preview. That's the time of year it is we're previewing teams. I'm going to be doing a couple of Blue Jays previews on different pods. And, of course, we'll preview the Blue Jays here on this pod as well. But we'll do all those teams. We'll have all that kind of fun. But tomorrow it'll be Dalton, and I will also be on Bench with Bubba. And then later in the week, Frank Stample and Chris Welsh will join us. Chris Welsh, is it the Welsh? Some of you may be more familiar with him from his Twitter handle. Two good friends of mine, they are going to join us later in the week for an ADP battle. We are going to be talking about one player, or two players from each position. We're going to do one battle at catcher, one at first base, one at second base, guys that are going in similar ranges of ADP, and we're going to be discussing our preferences there. So a bit of a fun week ahead. Make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast. I'd really appreciate kicking off the new year with some new reviews, so if you guys could be so kind, leave us a couple of five-star reviews. Hit that five-star button. Leave a couple of nice words in the comment section. We would really, really appreciate that. That is always what helps the show to grow. And now that people are finding baseball content again, it can be a huge help to me. So go ahead and do that. If you have not downloaded or subscribed to the show, that would also be a huge help as well. You get the shows right in your feed every single day. Don't have to go searching for them. They are just right there for you. That would be a huge help. Now, if you got any questions, I have opened up the DMs again. I realized the DMs were closed on Twitter. Not sure when I did that. I guess I was probably just having a day where there was a lot of people messaging and maybe there were some people upset with me about one thing or another and I closed them off. I didn't even realize that, but they are opened up again now. If you have any questions, please do send a DM at joeorico 99 at ethosfantasybb as well. And, of course, sportsethos.com. That is the place right from the source to get all of our content. But we'll be back tomorrow with Dalton. Until then, guys, take care. Have a great night.